You are listening to the Venture Scale SaaS Operator, the podcast where we interview founders who are actually in the trenches. We talk about the transparent journey of how they built their SaaS companies, how they grow them, and what they would do differently if they would do it all over. Hey folks, with us today, Matthew, founder of Spendly. Matthew, super happy to have you on. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. Let's get right into it. What is Spendly and who is it for? So Spendly is an online marketplace for businesses to find savings on a variety of services, including payroll, payment processing, benefits, um, lending, commercial insurance. What makes us unique is that uh, businesses can find savings without having to complete a single application. Interesting. How, how, how do you manage to do that? It's real simple, actually. So we leverage uh, data extraction and natural language processing, which allows for businesses to sign up completely free. There's no cost, commitments, or obligations. They select the financial service categories they'd like to save on. We then have them upload either an invoice or an agreement. And Spendly is able to scan that invoice or agreement to verify existing rates or terms. And then we have a provider network of financial institutions that are able to see that screen data. And if they can submit better terms for an equal or greater service or product, they do. We calculate the savings and we share it in an apples to apples comparison form for a business to review. And 96% of businesses actually find savings between 19 and 48% across all services and 72% accept the new offers they receive because the savings are that good. So for dummies, aka for myself, I have a credit line with a bank. I upload all the info and then I basically get a return. Hey, you can go with this other financial institution with the other bank for like your better better terms on their credit line, thus save X thousands of dollars a month. And then I guess you you take a cut of those spendings or how do you monetize on that? Uh, great question. So that's in uh, concept. That's how it works. Um, actually, in working practice as well. And then uh, when it comes to how we monetize, we actually form agreements with providers that join our network, um, and they pay a subscription to join our platform and have access to all of these business opportunities. So it's completely free for businesses, and they keep a hundred percent of the savings that they find. Interesting. Final. Yeah, and that's super unique. So you're in a way, a more aligned version of like elite gen for those providers? Because in the end, you're just trying to save the, the client the most money and then whoever is able to do that gets the most leads, aka they happily pay you for those quote-unquote leads. Is that right or do I get anything about that wrong? I think it's really more of the technological version of the invisible hand with Adam Smith and the law of economics, supply <laughs> <laughs> demand, the law of competition, and the law of self-interest. And the way that we've created it on our tech stack is that when everyone acts in their own best interest, it serves the best interest of all. So um, yeah, I, I guess in some way, shape, or form, it can be categorized as a lead gen for those that are providers. Um, at the same time, I think it provides an abundant exchange for all users. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I really like the model because the incentives are really aligned because usually or sometimes it's like affiliate basis or whatever and then it's, things can get sketchy even if you don't intend it to, to go there basically. But let's, yeah. let's go to the founding days. You, 
you were in that journey quite early. You, you started in April 2023, raised a small pre-seed round. Like, take us from like, how did you find the idea? How did you get into it? And then how did the journey look so far? Well, really, the uh, the uh, big idea came from when I met with the CFO of a $70 million company and he realized he was overpaying $550,000 a year on payment processing. And so I thought to myself, aye, aye, aye. that's a ton. <laughs> they're overpaying that much on payment processing. Where else are they overpaying and who else is overpaying in all these areas? And having previous startup experience and, um, Fortunate to say, completing a very successful, exciting exit with my first startup, I am an entrepreneur and a creator and started to really dive deep into market research and market forces to determine if there really is a strong window of opportunity and reached out to two colleagues in my network that are extremely proficient on the technical sides and software development. And we decided to take action and just got to work right away. If you need to hire the right developers and ship fast, then React Squad is for you. A boutique agency that specializes in React and only works with fast growth startups. Visit reactsquad.io to learn more. I love that. And then how did you, or like how many clients do you roughly have right now? So how, how did the growth look un until now? So we actually decided to eat the elephant one bite at a time. A lot of startups trying to grow really fast, really soon. We really wanted to create a solid foundation and a test and run pilots across different industries and different sizes of businesses with different employees, different revenue. And our sample size right now is, is between 50 and 100. And we have a little more than 30 total corporate partners that are on our network that range from Fortune 100 companies all the way to some of the fastest in the industries, including insurance, lending, payment processing, payroll, and benefits. So being B2B, we really focused on just building each side of the platform the right way. And then how do you right now do the, the whole go-to-market? Do you basically approach people one by one? Do you do the LinkedIn content marketing play? How do you get new customers on? Yeah, or like so, pilot customers in a way on. Right. So when it comes to our corporate partners and our network, it's direct outreach. We're very thorough in our assessment and evaluation. We have a very high standard for our partners that we accept onto the platform because we frankly want to be the platform where businesses find the best offers and that's also the best customer support and service as well. So it's direct outreach when it comes to the corporate partner side. And then on the small and mid-sized business side, really through strategic partnerships, some email marketing campaigns. And we found that strategic partnerships are really the best when it comes to accountants, CPA firms, bookkeepers, others that have a strong relationship with a business owner or business leader that really can share Spendly and its advantages to the company or business. I would love to get into to the nitty gritty of that. How do you, so first off, how do you approach those partners or like in your case, like accountants? And then, because in a way that's like sales in itself. And then also, how do you incentivize them to actually share Spendly or talk about Spendly with their clients? Because I think strategic partnership are like 
are often talked about like a, uh, a a good growth lever in a way, but most people don't go like into details on how to actually build them. So can you share uh, some insights and some tips for, for founders out there? Yeah, I think I can only speak for Spendly. Everyone can use their own wisdom and discernment and apply what's best for their company and product or service. I think for Spendly, what's unique is right now, businesses are really hurting with a lot of economic forces, inflation, interest rates, labor shortages, supply chain issues. And a lot of these folks have a very long-standing relationship with businesses and they are always looking to add value and they're always looking for ways to increase customer retention. And it's always great when you can come to someone and share a new cutting edge technology to help them save between 20 and 40% in certain areas. And what we found is a lot of times these conversations are already being had and there's just someone you know, refers them out from their network, but they don't really know if it's the best available offer in the market. So it's frankly in alignment with the relationship that they like to have with their clients. And we just want to be an extension of that and really more of a philosophical value add that provide to their clients. So it's all in a way on the basis that the offer in other words, the product is good enough or so good that basically people selfishly share it with their network to basically provide value by pointing towards Spendly. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. And then, I mean, it's getting close to the end of 2024. What's uh, 2023? Uh, what's what's your outlook on next year? Like on 2024, like how how are you planning to to run that i like looking to race big go the bootstrap route after the initial round like how how are you planning right now yeah i think 2023 was a great year for us as steve Jobs says when you do the right things on the top line the bottom line will follow so we really have set a solid foundation and you can only grow as high up as your foundation is deep so we've made a lot of really great decisions with partnerships with people and team that we have our business model you know, just getting things honed in on the tech so that we can support some very rapid growth and and through specific channels. So we partnered with some of the largest financial providers in the country and in the world across all of services. And we've also partnered with some banks and insurance brokerage firms in addition to our existing partnerships that we really anticipate falling in a, a very high volume of growth. Uh, for businesses and in doing that, supporting that growth, we're ideally raising our our next round uh, towards the end of Q2 or sometime in Q3 of 2024. I mean, the the venture capital waters are still, yeah, a bit, a bit rough, so to say. So how do you plan around that as a founder? Because in the end, like, it was like super frothy, three, four years ago. Last year, the venture market basically shut down. And now I, I feel like from a European point of view, I feel like it's opening up again. But I just like, what's your what's your gut feeling right now for the founders who are also like looking towards the end of the year and like planning their fundraisings uh, for next year? Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty interesting because 
for us, we're in a strong cash flow position um, and have plenty of runway. So I think it can definitely help us on the valuation side of things. And wow, um, I, it is a bit more fluid than before. Fortunately for us, we have a, a great strategic on our cap table with Plug and Play Tech Center, and they're helping us navigate the timing and aligning with strategic partners that really focus on fintech and tech and have a sweet spot for companies of our stage. So that's frankly a, a great value add compared to just being founders that are looking to network and connect. So we really are fortunate to have plug and play helping us navigate the timing and network of raising our next round. So I, I, I can say that plug in place <laughs> really, uh, really great resource to <laughs> on for that next out. So. Amazing. That's, that's, that's great. So do I then last and final question, you mentioned that you already had startup experience, had an exit. What's the thing you do most differently that time around? I uh, said so I was a sole founder for my first startup, learned my lesson the first time. Uh, it's, it was as, as the expression goes, uh, you know, when, when two horses pull a cart, compared to one horse, it doesn't pull twice as much weight. It can pull four to five times as much weight. And fortunately for me, I have amazing co-founders with uh, Shannon and Larry. So we really are able to divide and conquer in a lot of areas. So that's been fantastic. And it's allowed for us to grow so rapidly. And I think just overall as a company, it's it's exciting to see our progress. and. I think raising capital as well and positioning myself with corporate partnerships. I learned a lot of lessons from that first startup and um, navigated some areas well and stepped on some landmines and others that really helped shorten the learning curve for this, this, <laughs> this particular startup and the pathway forward. So I would say, you know, being open and, and having multiple co-founders, the right team and, having experience and understanding what works and why it works, what doesn't work and why it doesn't work and really deal-making with investors and, and corporate partners. Amazing. Matt, thanks a ton for coming on. It was a pleasure to talk. Likewise. Thank you very much. If you like this episode, then you'll love the SaaS Operator, a weekly newsletter brought to you by Early Node with actionable insights from SaaS experts in the industry Delivered right to your inbox every Tuesday for free. Visit earlynode.com to subscribe.